This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome back to the WOMED, folks. Super exciting episode for all of you nursepreneurs out there. Today I'm speaking with Rebecca Love, who over the weekend ran a virtual nurse hackathon. What is a nurse hackathon, you ask? Don't worry, it's super freaking cool and we'll dig into that. Rebecca is the first nurse to be featured on the main TED Talk forum, and you will soon see why. We love a woman making waves in healthcare and empowering beyond measure. I cannot wait for y'all to listen to this episode. This week's nursey energy moment is pretty dang rad and the epitome of what NDE stands for. Madison wrote in to share, I've worked at my current hospital for two years, and I've disliked it there for probably a year now. Two weeks ago, around the 4 a.m. tiredness during my shift, I had a big D energy epiphany. I realized that I needed to start demanding more for myself and of myself, and that I was no longer going to settle for a job that makes me miserable just because it's a job. And now I just accepted a new job today at a bigger facility bigger network, and it's closer to home. Cheers to believing in ourselves and putting ourselves out there. Heck yes, Madison. I hope this encourages anyone listening to make the needed changes for themselves because you all deserve to do the work that makes you feel good. So... Here on The Woman, we just really love to dig into why nurses decided on that field in particular. So what made you want to be a nurse? So nursing was a second career choice for me. I had gone uh, for undergrad in a a degree in international relations and a minor in Spanish. And I I thought that I was going to be a lawyer, to be honest. And I was working on a presidential campaign at the time uh, when healthcare was a big issue. Mm Mm-hmm. I remember being at these rallies and uh, everybody was talking about healthcare and there were no nurses in the audience. There were a lot of attorneys, there were a lot of lobbyists, there were a whole bunch of people that there were yeah. no nurses. And I don't know about you, Danielle, but my mom's a nurse. Do you have any family members who are nurses in your family? My grandmother was. Okay. And so yeah. that was my pivotal movement. My mom came out and we went to dinner and she said, we really think you should be a nurse. And I remember it was an interesting time. The politics were going on. And I remember thinking, you know what? How can you be a, a member of, how can you speak to the choir if you're not a member of it? And if everybody's talking about healthcare, but nobody's a nurse here, how do we really know what needs to change and what the problems yeah. are? And that was where my life turned. Um, recognizing that to really impact change in healthcare, I probably had to join healthcare uh, to do that. And, and that's where my journey began. That's amazing. It's a topic I've talked to a couple of friends about and we've talked about on here too is how there isn't representation in Congress and in government of nurses and like what we're actually going through and what we face on a daily basis. I think that's fascinating that that made you change your career path. That's amazing. Well, it's funny that you say that because the statement that made me change my career path was um, I I want, you know, I said I wanted to be a lawyer. And my Mm -hmm. mom said to me, she said, you know, there's plenty of strong lawyers out there in the world. And she said, but I can tell you as being a nurse, there's not enough strong nurses out there. I need Mm -hmm. more strong nurses out there to change what nursing looks like to the world. And I need you to become a nurse. And at that time, I didn't know what that meant. I I remember it felt really important, um, but it's now... 10, 15 years later that I look back and I recognize those words have shaped everything that I've done in nursing. 
every step of the way. And I know your own story about how hard at times it was for you to be a nurse and how Mm -hmm. it's challenges we faced, how you didn't always feel like you fit in, or you also didn't feel like you had a voice. And that was really hard for me. And, um, and how to learn how to navigate what sometimes feels like a very disempowered profession to become more voiceful and more um, recognized, but more importantly, not necessarily placated to, but really just given a, a seat at the table to say, hey, yeah, you got this. You, you know what you're talking about. And um, I respect your opinion as much as I respect everybody else's around the table. Not so much, hey, I'm just giving a placeholder for a nurse to have a seat at the table, but to really sit there and say, yeah, we, we want them here because we, we get that you guys have value to add. And that's been a really interesting place to come from. And I don't know, you know, in your own personal existence with your conversation, Danielle, um, if you guys have felt like the same kind of challenges at times. Yes, a hundred percent. And that's something that I think just added on to years of being like repressed as a nurse that led to ultimately me burning out at the bedside. And that's something that you've been really trying to champion a lot for too, in that you know, there's this fear, like our nurses are burning out after like two years. Like we're, we're pumping out all these new grads, but they're burning out so quickly. Yeah. 250,000 nurses, we graduate a year in this country and we lose over 50% of them by the bedside within two years of practice. The the largest exodus of a profession that nobody talks about. And I, like you, left the bedside as a, as an RN within two years, I went back into grad school and became a nurse practitioner for that exact feeling of feeling so like I didn't have that voice. And every Mm -hmm. time I stepped in and I I felt like there were so many near misses where I begged, you know, for changes to happen or orders to be changed or medications to be given or interventions to happen and literally knowing that things were going wrong, but not having the ability to, to make those decisions, to change those outcomes and depending on other people to make those decisions and only be given the tool box as a nurse to sit there and say, well, I really think, or I really believe, or I really feel that we got to make this, make this change or give yes. this medication and not given the tools to actually effectively voice why I had the, you know, the, the, the knowledge and the expertise to make those decisions that everything I always did had to be signed off by somebody else. Because as a nurse, I wasn't considered if for lack of a better world, credible enough, or had the license or the intelligence to be able to recognize that what we were seeing there it made a sense that we should be able to take initiatives to save patients' lives because I, that was always a really hard place for me to sit as a nurse, to sit there and, and beg other people. And then sometimes it literally, and I'm, I'm sure you faced it if you felt like you were burnt mm-hmm. out, so often begging to make the changes that we do, and then often being told, hey, stay in your lane. Like it's great yes. that you see these problems, but your job is to be a nurse and to do those things. Your, your job is not to, you know, to, to challenge the way that things are being done. And mm-hmm. fundamentally that always sat wrong with me. Um, fundamentally, yeah. because you probably in nursing school were told, Hey, you're, you're the advocate of the patient. You were really yes. strong, but when we got out into practice, man, it was tough. Well, yeah. And then you're like, well, hey, listen, doc, I've been at the bedside with this patient sometimes for multiple days in a row, 12 hours a day. And you're telling me that you want to make these changes when you have bopped in for maybe five minutes, like you haven't spent time with the family, haven't spent time with the patient. And there's just, there's such a disconnect there with the autonomy given to nurses. Exactly. And the question becomes when the autonomy for nurses becomes to being able to practice to their top of their license and when Mm -hmm. that mutual respect uh, can sort of meet in the road to recognize that, hey, my physician colleagues have incredible knowledge and power and insight and um, expertise. And I value it to the top of, of any kind of profession that can. And, and equally that mutual respect reflecting back, I think it is, we know we all, I have a lot of great 
physician colleagues. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, they always say, you know, I, I got my best training through the best nurses around me. Right. Because we, we have the right. We got it. And right. so I just don't know how that division of power breaks down so that it becomes more of a, a an, an encroached team approach to, Hey, yeah, go, we got this. The nurses are telling us to do this. This is exactly, you know, how we should be doing this and how that changes. And I, we always thought nurse practitioners would be sort of that level playing field. Like, okay, yeah. hey, you know what? we're becoming equal. We can, we can diagnose, we can treat. I still think we're light years behind in, 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 in that model working out for us. Um, so I, I'm curious, Danielle, as you know, as you're talking about, um, you know, how you, you started to find your voice and what was sort of, and I know things, but how did you <laughs> find your voice? And, you know, you burned out from the, from the bedside, as you said, and, and to be honest, some of the greatest nurses I know, they all burned out by the bedside. How did you find your voice? Honestly, I think this podcast has helped. I, and being on The Bachelor and just being very comfortable talking about your feelings. <laughs> That's a great point. You do talk a lot about your feelings on The Bachelor. We do. We do. We go on a very deep journey, a very weird psychological journey. But after 12 years of working at the bedside, I just, I felt like, you know, all the, the Me Too and like Time's Up movements were really starting to take effect and those movements really spoke to me. And I was like, there has got to be more. Like, I have this huge platform that I don't know what to do with. People are like, oh, where'd you get this top? Can you link this swimsuit? Kit? And I'm like, I've got so much more knowledge to drop on you guys. So, <laughs> I mean, I appreciate that. Love fashion. But I really was like, there has to be something else. And I know it's it's very scary for me. Sharing my voice and speaking in public is a very nerve-wracking thing to me. But this podcast felt like a safer way to do that, to have like really authentic conversations and like meet more women throughout the medical field and industry and just give them a space to talk about their passions, their outside jobs, what led them into nursing, what led them to be a doctor or a scientist or, or anything like that. And it's just been so cool um, to just build this community and be a part of it. And in that, I feel like I've started to find my voice and it's, it's been such a, it's been a wild ride. (laughs) Okay. Y'all I've never seen something so cool and engaging for kids. If you have them, or maybe you're an aunt, have some younger cousins, or you're looking for a gift for your friend's new baby, you have to check out KiwiCo. KiwiCo is a science and arts-based subscription box for kids. My friend's daughter just turned two last month, and I got this subscription for her. My friend sent me the sweetest video of her daughter interacting with the letters and mailbag they sent her for the two- to four-year-old range, and it was so cool just seeing her brain get to work. She immediately started drawing with the larger crayons, and then her mama showed her how to fold and put them in the mailbag. They mailed me one as a thank you. Your child can get super cool, hands-on art and science projects delivered to their door every month. I can only imagine how hard it can be to keep kids entertained right now, but KiwiCo offers creative ways to keep children challenged and busy outside of school. KiwiCo helps you spend quality time tackling cool projects with your kids at home. There are different crates for your kids of all ages, and there is no commitment. You can pause or cancel the crates at any time. KiwiCo is redefining play with hands-on projects that build confidence, creativity, and critical thinking skills. There is something for every kid 
or kit at heart at KiwiCo. Get your first month free on select crates at KiwiCo.com slash WOMED. That's K-I-W-I-C-O dot com slash WOMED. I, I know exactly. I know what you're saying. Cause I feel like sometimes I just feel like I'm holding my breath and jumping over a cliff, right? It's you have this platform and incredible following and everything. And it feels so strange to me sometimes to be that voice for people. And in a sense, I always say to everybody, I never want to create this about me. I want to create this about all of these nurses. Um, yes. And, and I want a platform. There's so much space out here. We need more of us out there talking about what we do <laughs> and also adding our voice to the conversations because there's so few of them out there. And when we started Sanciel, which I know, you know, it's a, that the nursing society that, that we brought together. That thing is so cool. Like I want to be a part of it. Like sign me up. I am so, yeah, let's talk about Sanciel. Well, no, we, well, we want you to be a member, but this, that, we, I'm so excited <laughs> to hear you say that. And because it was all about how do we create a nursing society that gives a platform to all nurses that walked life differently. And when we formed this and we brought these groups of nurses together, I remember thinking, and as people were talking about how we structure it, and I kept saying, you know what? we want to make sure that this represents everybody. And when Springer mm-hmm. called and said, Hey, Rebecca, you know, what? we're looking for a person to write a book. And we were like, no, no, I would like a book about everybody. Like I want all the stories out there because the truth is, is I think, and maybe you felt this way too in nursing. If you didn't walk in the same shoes of those who currently have been sort of at the head of nursing, um, you didn't look like them. It was really hard to engage. Mm-hmm. I never felt like I fit in ever like I fit into that the world of nursing, the way that it was defined. And, yeah. but I still felt like it was a, the profession where we were founded was so incredibly valuable, but it was okay that if I didn't have a PhD and if I wasn't in academia, that I could still make an impact, right? Like that mm-hmm. I, I still had things that were valuable and intelligent to say, and I could speak across verticals to really bring and elevate the voice of nursing in places, uh, you know, had it necessarily been heard before, because my opinion, um, and, and I, I don't know how you feel about this, is that nurses do a really good job. Our, our nursing leadership, we have 800 nursing organizations in the country. They speak really well to nurses, but it felt mm-hmm. really like there was very few of anybody talking to anybody else besides ourselves. And because of that, nursing, to your point, we don't have seats in Congress. We don't vote mm-hmm. as a voting block. Like we don't have influence outside of our own profession. And, and that speaks to the Gallup poll who labels us as the most trusted profession. But that same Gallup poll as a profession, we rank third from the bottom from influence because we don't talk yeah. to anybody else. So anyway, that's that's how your whole thing of what you're saying is that you have this voice and sort of jumped off the cliff because you know it just sort of happened that way. And not necessarily that we all want to be that voice, but it was because sometimes- you're just, somebody has to speak on behalf of, of what this profession looks like. And we weren't all Mm -hmm. given those tool sets to be able to do that when we were at school or told that we should. No, no, we weren't. It's so like, we're the most trusted profession, but we're told that we are at the bottom of the hierarchy. We're very trusted, but we're still at the bottom because people aren't going to trust their nurses as much as they trust what their doctor says or what the attending says or the resident, you know, anything like that. So we have to find a way to move ourselves up in this hierarchy and like, A, we aren't paid to do it either. And, Mm -hmm. but just trying to elevate nurses and like encourage people to speak out, even though all throughout school, we are told, you know, to advocate for the patient, but to a certain extent, like you still have to like, stay in your lane. 
you know, you, you, and I, I love how you're, you know, you said that because the truth is, is, um, you know, what we were never showed or, or told to do was how to quantify our value as nurses. Mm-hmm. And as your, as your point, we were told to advocate and be the voice for the patient, but what about advocating and being the voice of our profession? And what does yeah. that mean? And how do we quantify that? And just mm-hmm. to, um, you know, the, the world is which we live in, um, comes down to in healthcare, it comes down to it being a business and the business of healthcare fluctuates on a hierarchy because who those who can bill and those who cannot. So in, in, in the world of nursing, we've always been a cost structure to healthcare systems. And when mm-hmm. you're a cost structure, anything that you do speaks to what's called soft money, right? We can do cost savings, right? We can save patients' lives. We can decrease cost spendings, but what we can't do is drive revenue. So when you right. can't drive revenue into a healthcare system, your voice is automatically diminished by those who can and that fundamentally, to me, is a breaking point for our profession to be able to better voice our impact and also our ability to drive greater changes within the healthcare system until we can quantify an economic impact that we have and also give the tools to the nurses to speak to those uh, areas of finance and strategy and operations that we were never trained in. And it wasn't until I stepped back from the the bedside and, you know, went to, you know, it sounds so crazy um, that we, we just got off of this weekend of doing a hackathon, but that I attended my first hackathon that changed yeah. my entire view of the world. And, and whoa, like, this is what healthcare is about. Like, I, you mean there's, this is how you drive change. And you mean, you guys don't know about this stuff on the front lines, but I have all this knowledge, but you guys are, are pulling out of me left and right. But you, you, we, we've never been invited at the table to create these solutions before. And that was, where to your point of, you know, how do you speak to that? A hackathon <laughs> changed my entire view of, of how you spoke to it and that the world of healthcare was all about business. And it, it changed yeah. my feeling that we had value as a profession uh, to driving that change. So I love that you brought this up and I've been really excited to talk about this. What exactly is a hackathon? Somebody, I, I, I had to take my little one. To you get this room. one a lot, I bet. <laughs> we do. And I was literally, after our hackathon finished, my little one um, hit his head on a rock and I took him to the emergency room last night for Staples, right? And the guy oh, was no. like, you just left a hacky sack party? And I'm like, no, no, a hackathon, a hackathon, explaining it to the MD uh, <laughs> and the ER, right? Because, you know, of course, yeah. I always say I'm a nurse when I show up in the emergency room. But Oh, yeah, we all we do. Have, <laughs> we, right, right, we have to. Um, we have a baseline understanding of what we need to have happen here, right? Absolutely. Yes. So mm-hmm. um, a hackathon largely was termed a coin that was Nick, uh, that came out of the, the tech industry, Google, Amazon, what they did is they threw out problems that they couldn't fix that were really hard to fix in, in their verticals. In, and they would bring their technologists into a weekend and say, Here, here's the six problems that we can't figure out. Spend the weekend thinking differently about them and come up with solutions. And over the course of the weekend, 56 hours later, the problems that they were having would be solved by bringing really innovative people together, taking away all of the restrictions on how you operate and practice mm-hmm. um, and create solutions. And that is what we brought to the world of nursing. Um, after I attended a, a hackathon that was in the medical space and I showed up years ago, um, now this was back in 2015, um, a friend of mine, I, at the time I had a small company that, oh my gosh, I had no idea what I was doing. And he said, <laughs> and I was, I was going to shut down my company and my mom had given me her nursing retirement to start it. And I had no, <laughs> anyway, long story short, he said, Rebecca, you need to go to this hackathon. So I showed up at a medical hackathon at a uh, medical school in Boston, and I show up and the room is packed, 200 people and all different walks of life, but it was the executives of the hospital, the executives of the major healthcare institutions and companies around Boston, all these doctors, engineers, and as I walked around, I realized that at that moment, I was the only nurse there, and, and Danielle, I'm sure you've been there where you go, oh, 
this is the kind of event where things get done, but we're not supposed to be here. The nurses aren't supposed to be here, right? Yeah. And, and I and nobody asked me to leave. I think that was the fundamental point is I was waiting for somebody to ask me to leave because as a nurse, I often Just didn't feel like you belonged. Yeah. Right. And I, I, you know, you would walk into a meeting with all the doctors to talk about patient care and you would be said, okay, well, we got this. You can go now. Right. Like, thanks for giving us. I remember I was never allowed often as a nurse at the bedside to stand and have those conversations on how to get to, to cross the finish line. It was like, Hey, pump me full of knowledge. Um, but don't stay here and help me make decisions. Right. That's right. how I always felt. So when I got to stay at this hackathon and be part of making the decisions and producing the product, my whole world changed. It changed, it inspired me, it empowered me. It made me feel like when I walked into that weekend that I felt like, oh man, I, I'm not sure I can do anything. And when I left that weekend feeling like, oh my gosh, I, we can change the world. Like if people knew, if nurses started attending hackathons, we could really change the future of healthcare. Like we have wow. that frontline knowledge mm -hmm. to bestow on the people who have access to making the decisions and poof, 90% of those problems, those deaths, those repeatable, you know, living the definition of insanity over and over again can mm -hmm. disappear if we can start attending these events. And that became sort of the future of what we started to build was building access so nurses could have hackathons. And this past weekend, we hosted our first virtual one in partnership with Johnson & Johnson here. I can't say enough about them documenting our legacy as nursing, um, in my opinion, um, but also um, Microsoft stepping up um, as the chief nursing officer of, of Microsoft is also a founding member of Sanciel and said, Heck okay, yeah. yeah, we will give you the platform to do this hackathon in the midst of COVID-19 because you're right, Rebecca. A lot of these nurses are facing challenges that if we can mm -hmm. get them involved and we can give them access to the technology and the technologists develop it, they, we, can, we can solve those problems that you guys are facing. And that's what happened this past weekend. And I, I can't tell you how I, I still get, I, I get goosebumps talking about it because it has blown me away. Daniel, you would be so proud. You would be so oh my proud gosh. and so humbled by what these nurses did in 56 hours, um, what they came up with on solving issues of mental health and acute remote monitoring, both within the home and in the space, and then data reporting, like you would be blown away by their knowledge and their value and, 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 the, and the problems that they came up with. I mean, Microsoft, let's be honest, they're gonna be worth billions after these solutions are created. Oh um, uh, but, uh, but it was just <laughs> tremendous. Um, and I can't speak highly enough of Johnson & Johnson who jumps off that cliff with us, like, you know, that feeling of that voice, like who stands with you when you jump off the cliff to say, can we pull off something that's never been done before? And mm -hmm. will I back you up as a nurse to believe that you can pull this together? And they did. And um, it was that's a amazing that I'll, I'll never forget. Can you talk a little bit more about, is there like a winner or, or some of the solutions and stuff that they came up to, or is that all confidential right Oh my now? gosh, it's not confidential at all. Okay. There were winners. Uh, so there was five in each category, but we gave runner-ups because the teams of judges, and let me tell you who these judges were too, who came in and did this. We had the vice president of innovation of Anthem, Maria Filipova showed up. One of the, uh, the head of um, population health for Accenture showed up along those lines, Michael Peterson. Um, we had the former COO of PayPal, David Chang show up and oh meet these judges. Um, so we had rock star judges. I mean, then we of course had Linda Benton from J&J &J and Molly McCarthy from Microsoft and a rock star all on my board that showed up there that are just rock star nurses. Marion Leary, the director of innovation at UPenn and Hume Nadell, who's the director of nursing innovations at Mass General Hospital. I mean, rock star, rock star people participated to make this possible and judge and support and make it happen. But these ideas that they came up with were, for example, um, the, the man, one of the teams that won on the data reporting was empowering school nurses to get access to the data they need 
So you have to imagine all the, we're dealing with COVID-19 and reopening schools, right? We have right. one school nurse that manages, and you know this, like a population of 600 to 1,000 students. How yeah. do you empower school nurses to prevent outbreaks of COVID-19? So they created a data reporting system to basically empower parents to report symptoms before students show up at school to preventively help uh, keep students at home before mass outbreaks. Brilliant. Oh right? my God, that's, I got chills. Right? Like, could you imagine if every morning, like, hey, you, before you send your kid to school, you're able to log in certain symptoms and then school mm -hmm. nurse can sit there and say, you know what, based on the five that you just logged, um, you know what, keep your student home today and follow up with your doctor. So suddenly you can yeah. you stop the spread of massive disease before it hits your student population, right? Like awesome right. stuff like that. Um, we had another group of a, of a nurse uh, who uh, was dealing with situations where in the ICU, you know, right now, all patients, there's no visitors. There's nobody that can come. Right. So she said, you know, wouldn't mm -hmm. it be great if we created a system that was the repository of where everybody could call in and leave a message for this loved one so that the nurse could play this when the patient was sort of around around? Because, you know, us as nurses, mm -hmm. we fundamentally know that patients respond and they heal with their family there. And even if they're yes. in a coma, they can still hear them. And nurses, they were the ones, it was the nurses who brought the family back into the hospital and brought their voices in under the ones holding the iPad so that the families mm -hmm. can communicate with these patients. And this nurse just said, you know what, there's so much more we could do. And if we just created a system that captured these voices, so I didn't try to manage 3000 phone calls because we know we're only getting them to one phone call a day. She came up with this brilliant right. idea. And I, there's so many more ideas on mental health and remote monitoring and measuring of chronic diseases. Um, that one group came up with an idea that they could plug into uh, public health data and they could create a heat map across the country of the areas that have the highest comorbidity rates of some diseases. So like, if you knew that in your community that you have a 30% population that have heart disease, lung disease, and diabetes, that if COVID mm -hmm. hits there, you guys are at greater risk. So how you staff up your right. hospitals. So they created this virtual map through public information that across the country, you can get access to this data of the communities that are at the greatest risk if COVID hits there. So they can preventively staff up and prepare the community and tell that population how to start managing. I, I wish they were such smart ideas across the things. Um, gamification, wow. where uh, one of the nurses reached out to companies like Starbucks who said, "Could would you gamify if people wore masks into your things, would you give them bonus points? Like if, if people that were really good about public health started to wear masks, which companies would start engaging in, an, in a reward programs to encourage people to wear masks in public? So they said, yes. I mean, how brilliant is this to say, hey, you know what? We, we know that you want to be responsible. We can't force people to wear masks, but those right. that do, what about giving them an extra five points to, to have a Starbucks, right? Like they were just, I, I, we had over 30 teams um, and they're going to all be playing on the nurse. Uh, so it's, it's a nurse hack for the number four health.org. All those videos will be there. So you guys can all see them. I, I could talk for hours about them, but Danielle, you, you see how incredible oh these, these people are. That is unreal. I, I want to, can I come to the next hackathon? You can, I, we would, oh yes, yes. Okay. I, I, like I want to do one tomorrow, but um, we, I can't wait to have you at the next one and, and be there. Cause you're going to, it's this moment you go through such highs and such lows. Like some moments you're like, oh my gosh, we're going to win. And then the next moment you're like, oh my gosh, wait, there's too many competitors in this space. I got to go draw a drawing board. This isn't going to work that way. Like it's yeah. this incredible opportunity to do and see the world through a lens that we never saw it before. That's just incredible. And I can't believe like you had Microsoft and Johnson and Johnson there with you. Like those are real big power movers to like help 
nurses achieve this change that like we need. It's a, it is. And I, and it was really, um, uh, it feels to be like the world is starting to change and shift Yeah, because when J and J and Microsoft come together to give us a platform as nurses mm-hmm. to really, um, platform and engage with each other, bring teams together and give us the tools together to be successful because as, as when we started to do this, um, my board at Sanseal was like, look at, you know what, we can't just bring nurses together for a weekend and they, they innovate all weekend and then it goes away. Right. Like that makes no impact. Like we feel that way all the time. Like we said, we're always being told stay in our lane. Hey, great idea, but it never goes anywhere. We didn't Mm -hmm. want this to happen. And Marion Leary, who is my right hand person on our hackathons was like, you know, it's really important that there's, there's a next, that this just doesn't die out in this hackathon. And that's what Microsoft said, okay, use our platform and we're in a lot of healthcare institutions and we'll be able right. to make this happen. Wow. Oh my gosh. So that's, that's the goal, right? It, that's, <laughs> that's the goal or we're trying, right? I don't know. It's only, only the morning after, but I can tell you, we already have like 12 teams that have messaged me. That's like, okay, we're already ready. Where do we go next? Who's our mentors? And I'm like, okay, we'll figure this out. That's incredible. See, like that just feels like electricity literally running through my body right now because that's the kind of thing that more nurses need. We need to be told that there's more of an impact we can have. There's more we can do. Like our voices actually do have value and we can like change and like make this difference. This is incredible. Okay. So like how many people were involved in the hackathon? Yeah. So um, this was what was amazing to us. We had about a thousand people registering over 500 of them were hacking away all three days at the hackathon, like an incredible turnout, which is because we've never done a hundred percent virtual hackathon. We pulled it together yeah. in three weeks, um, which I think was like, the biggest shock for us that people, wow. that people showed up and that they, that 500 people were able to figure out how to get on the platform and join in and participate. And they came from all over. And some of the craziest things like that you saw where we suddenly had teams that, you know, would end at one point and then all of a sudden somebody from Israel would get on and continue going on with the team. And then Africa would get on and then UK would get on and then Australia would get on. And then some of our mentors, one of our best mentors, Richard Moore from Australia, he would come on at seven o'clock at night and he's like, I'm up with my coffee. And I'm like, I'm off to bed. And he would turn over and touch base with me at seven o'clock when I was getting up and say, okay, here's the teams that I helped over the weekend. Can you keep going with them? And it was just this, I can't even tell you so about this, this is global. community. global. <laughs> it became global. We had no idea that it was going to be global, but we had nurses from Nepal and Zimbabwe and the UK and Canada and India and all over the world participating. Um, and that's, I think, um, I, I just, there was just incredible sense of community and inspiring everyone um, to do to do and work together for a common good. And again, that's what we do as nurses, right? We we are problem solvers and we see each other as the, uh, you know, as our partners in, in crime to get this stuff done. And um, that's, that's what happened when this, when this weekend happened. This is, I, I this is so incredible. I, I mean, the, it just proves how big and like strong, like the collective nursing tribe is throughout the world. That's incredible. You know, and I think um, what's been unique in our experience is um, with with Sanseal, it was always just really important that anybody who wanted to could join, 
anybody, mm-hmm. and, and what I love about a hackathon is that it's also, it's, it's not a conference. It's not about us who arrange it. Everybody who participates in a hackathon not only gets up on the stage once, but they get up on the stage twice. They're the ones on the stage, right? It's not us. Yeah. Like, the people that normally are on the stage are the mentors and the judges. They're there to support the a- everyday attendee to make sure that their solutions get across the, the threshold. And that to me is, is it just breaks down the hierarchy already, right? Like it breaks mm-hmm. it down because it's the everyday bedside nurse who is up there in front with the microphone saying, here's the problem, here's the solution, here's the team I put together. And that is just something we don't get to experience as nurses. Um, and very rarely do we ever get up on the stage. I, I can tell you, we did a, a live hackathon with J&J back in November. And it was mm-hmm. hysterical um, when they did their first pre-pitch, how many of them forgot to hold the microphone up to their mouth, right? Like just little yeah. things that they'd never used PowerPoint. They, they didn't know that they had to talk about economic impact, like little things that they came so far on. And one thing that nurses will always tell me after Hackathon is, wow, I just really feel like I can make a difference. I, I, I can, I can, sh- sh- I can. I I can do something more than what I've been doing now. And what also it it did for a lot of our bedside nurses is it empowered them to say, I can go back to the bedside and now I know how to drive change. And I'm inspired because now I can actually create the solutions at the bedside that were driving me away from it because I now know where to go to solve those problems. And it's become sort of like this vehicle and this outlet that what you and I experienced at the bedside, right, mm-hmm. is always told stay in your lane, and you know there was nowhere to go. We're suddenly yeah. seeing changes in health systems across the country. Like when we started the program of nurse innovation back at Northeastern, um, when I went there and you know led our first hackathon and then became the director of innovation. At that time in 2016, there there was nobody talking about nurses as innovators and entrepreneurs. There were there were no hospitals who had policies in place like they did for the physicians on mm-hmm. what happens if you invented something, right? Well, today right. you look at Mass General Hospital, Tufts, Boston Medical Center, Cleveland Clinic, Stanford, all of a sudden there's all these nurse innovation directions and 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 titles in a place that did not exist 5 years ago and I think that's what's the most shocking to me is that perhaps did we, are we, are we really changing the future of nursing? Are we making a difference? And, and I know that you felt the way that I have, which is I almost left nursing in its entirety because mm-hmm. I felt like I wasn't able to change anything. No. And you're just too tired. Like that's the, that was like the other part of it was that you work three 12 hour shifts a week, which like most people wouldn't think that like, oh, you get like four days off, but especially for those on night shift. And if your hospital's short and you need to pick up extra, or are you just picking up extra shifts because you can't afford to live off of a nursing salary? And then they're like, well, you know, if you really want to create some change here, you have to come in extra on top of your extra and join one of the committees. So like nurses are already tired like physically and emotionally tired and then it's just like a business and an industry that's just like asking for more and more and more and what I think is so incredible and so valuable about these hackathons is that you are reigniting that fire in 500 plus nurses to renew their strength and renew that like want to try and lead change and that is an incredible thing that you have done for all these nurses. Thank you. I had a, a nurse leader write me and I mean, and I'm, I'm saying a nurse leader um, and, and she, she, and I, I won't name names. And she sent me a message on, on Twitter during this thing. And I'm terrible at Twitter, but she said, I'm never <laughs> going back into the cave. 
I'm never going back into being voiceless and, and, and just living in our cave. Like, and, and, and it was shocking to me that she used the word cave and, um, and that felt that that's where she had been living. And, and by all things, if you saw her resume, if you saw the, the you know executive position that she held, why a hackathon awakened in her the ability to feel like, hey, I've, I've been living my life not the way that I should have. And that a hackathon gives that kind of empowerment to a person who, who to me is light years ahead of me in my nursing career. It's just that kind of insight that just surprises you every day when you go into yeah. those events. So I, I think that when the the world that we look at um, and what we see for nurses is that the way that one thing that I can even say about COVID-19 is that one thing that we learned very quickly in COVID is that the way that we were doing and conducting business didn't work, right? Like mm-hmm. we had to rapidly innovate and we're still rapidly innovating to change so people can survive because um, the way right. we practice wasn't working and, and the medications weren't working and everything that we were doing was not working. So we had to rapidly innovate. And the one thing that I can think about with COVID is, is perhaps it does allow for this new era to step forward where, where nurses have been part of a lot of these great solutions and how do we keep them there? And how did you know this expanded level of practice happen? Because the truth is, it's a lot, I don't know if you saw that physician over in the UK who said, look, I trained back as a, as a, a critical care nurse because I needed that skill set to save patients by the bedside. I didn't know how to operate the IVs. Like I, I, we, know a lot of, uh, the, the, we know a lot of physicians that can turn it from beeping to being silent, but mm-hmm. most of them you know, have no idea how to hang IV medications or to suck a patient or to manage the actual vent by the patient's right. bedside or to change mm-hmm. the tubing or how to, you know, a lot of this stuff, um, all these critical care sets really are being managed by nurses and they're managing and creating new processes around these because they know where everything goes wrong in the hospital. And it was their knowledge that got us to save patients' lives. They knew where the protocol failures were. They knew where the systems did not work. And it was that 360 view that they had of the hospital system that allowed them to initiate the change they needed to save patients' lives because a lot of our physicians, they're specialists. They know their disease and they know the disease state well. But the one thing mm-hmm. that nurses know is they know the person, they know the entire human capacity, and they also know the right. entire hospital system. And that level of knowledge and expertise is really what was necessary to navigate COVID-19 effectively and ultimately save patients' lives. You, uh, well, welcome to my community of world changers that I feel like I am assembling and like trying to be a part of. So you're what I call it a, a world changer. So <laughs> thank you. Well, you are so kind of say it. And it is a lot. I, 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 just like you, right? There is a community of us that we could not do it without Right. And if I, right. I could, I constantly say just to those things, like there are people that your spirit so and I can, I, I know this podcast, but there are people with on a fundamental level that make you see the world differently and and mm-hmm. you're 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 with me and you're there and and same with like all the others that have come together to form Sanciel and, and show up at these hackathons and see the world differently and and the truth is is that you know I, just like when we started Nightingale like she she bored me in school but let's be honest like the reason that nursing exists is because Florence Nightingale challenged medical practice standard yes. practice uh the, yes. pro, the you know that she was the one who said you're doing it wrong like how you're thinking about medicine not believing that, you know, what you can't see doesn't exist is a mm-hmm. fundamental failure and we have to do it differently. And, and that's what nursing has always been about. And that's where at least it was founded was making medicine better for the patient. Yeah. And 
that's what we need to keep doing as nurses is we need to keep challenging the medical status quo. We need to keep saying, hey, hey you know what, what you're doing here, I don't think is quite right here and let's work together to make it better. And the truth is, here's yeah. my knowledge and what I've proven that that is successful. So how do we own that again? How do we own what Florence Nightingale started, which was medicine was failing and killing patients. It was nursing who stepped in to save them. Oh, I love that. That gives me chills again too. And, and the other thing about Florence is she was a woman way back way, way back in the day when like women, like if you had acted out of line in any sort of way, had a voice about something, talked about something that like you can't see with the naked eye, she's lucky she didn't get burned at the stake as a witch. You're and absolutely right. And for her to be able to make and initiate those changes and found nursing that is still going strong hundreds of years later is just an incredible testament to like the strength of women. Absolutely. And at the same time, um, where, you know, fundamentally we're still 95% female, it, it, it perhaps yeah. also, you know, there, there's a lot of questions and correlations and potentially causations that can be linked between the profession of nursing and, and the, the role of women. And I mean, being one of the only professions that women could actually join since the mm -hmm. 1920s, um, yeah. outside of secretary and, and teaching. And, you know, there is a, there is a whole, I mean, that's a whole nother level of conversation that we, we can discuss. And I, just to your point, I think even just across healthcare, um, you know, what is the role of women and what does that look like? It's an issue that is being discussed, I think in multiple, in multiple different verticals. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and the one thing that I think about that, um, in a degree that I, I know we're not going into education a lot here, but if there was one thing that I could tell nurses, if they were saying, Hey, you know what? I do want to be more empowered in my profession. I don't know if I want to give up being a nurse totally, where would I go? And, and the one degree that I feel like has been a great equalizer, not only in nursing, but also in, in women and versus, uh, the men and in, in, any kind of level is an MBA. I think it's become like a, that is almost oh, a great equalizer. Yeah. Um, and so if anybody out here is listening, like, how do I, what do I do next? Like, you know, can I become a member of Sansiel? hundred percent. Anybody can become a member, please engage with us, whatever you want to do. And two, if you're thinking to yourself, like, I don't know what I want to do next. Um, I think that, you know, an MBA degree in nursing is going to be unstoppable in the future because it gives you that business yeah. skill set. Um, but also hopefully some other kind of programs step forward that are geared more towards nurses, um, to sort of leverage their knowledge and create more of like an MBA healthcare nursing kind of program that can really just change the way yeah. that, that we think. And that's what we fundamentally have to do. Wow. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've definitely found myself in places or in moments in my life where I'm like, what's the next step? Going back to school to be like a nurse practitioner or nurse anesthetist, I was like, nah, that didn't feel quite right. <laughs> so, but like a business degree. Wow. You've got my yeah. wheels. You got my wheels spinning here again. We're going to see you back in school for your MBA and running a massive company one day. It's just, you know, little <laughs> things. I don't have one. So I'll be honest, I don't have one, but I wish I did because there's so many things I don't know. But yeah. it's so interesting. It was interesting. He and Nadelle and I had this conversation and she said, for years, you know, I had these ideas and I was driving them. And she goes, when I got my MBA, suddenly everybody's like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And she's like, well, I've been saying it as a nurse for like the past six years. Um, so just these three letters change it. It's really interesting how wow. certain things, if things exist. I can't say it's a hundred percent that that's, you know, always accurate, but I think that there's different ways in which we have to learn to play part of the system that, you know, creates equalizers. And, and the truth is, is I think that, um, 
what you're doing, Danielle, is, is just really incredible because um, it is scary to go out there and have a voice and it's scary to represent. And also, all, you know, it, are you doing it correctly or not correctly and, and taking mm-hmm. that leap of faith every day. And all I can say to you is just keep going because the world needs more voices like yours. They need to hear from nurses who have seen both sides of this and create this space for conversations and, and make this happen um, because it's going to take brave people like you that are going to change the future of our profession. And I am, I am humbled and, and just feel so privileged to be here with you today because you've done something so many of us have never done. And you've created something that many of us never are going to be able to create. And for you elevating and using that to elevate other nurses around you, you represent the best of what our profession can be. And, um, and everything that you do going forward is going to make a direct impact into how this profession is viewed and what that next generation looks to to define it. And so keep going and 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 keep being fearless and having that voice and growing your presence and um, and using that. And if you keep doing what you're doing, you you're going to be part of the reason this profession, um, the future is going to go into it. The next generation is going to go into it because um, I'm concerned that that next generation isn't going to choose nursing. And, it, and if we lose, and if we lose nurses because we failed to empower them and give them a voice, um, who is going to be by the bedside during the next pandemic? Who's going to be by the bedside to care for that loved one when you really need that person to be there. And, um, you give that, you give our profession, um, a voice and a, and a, and an, an engagement way that, um, so many of us never have been able to do and it's and it takes courage and so thank you for what you're doing wow um thank you for for that high praise and it's actually this conversation has really started to restore in me that love and passion for nursing and for caring for people because I think for a long time I was I was just getting angry you know I was angry that I wasn't supported in the workplace I was angry that you know, we didn't make more money. And like a lot of people are like, well, you know, like suck it up when you talk about money. But it's like, it's a direct correlation to how valued you feel and like how the care that you provide people, the lives that you save, how that's valued. And it's like, no, no nurse does it for the money. But I think I was hardened for a very long time. And I think I've, I, I worry sometimes that like, the posts I've made about burnout or how I've talked about nursing has led it to be, you know, detract like some people from joining the field. And I really have been working on trying to change that language in myself. And I just think organizations like Sunseal and these um, nurse hackathons and things that you're doing and you're sharing are, are, well, my hope is that I can keep sharing them too. And that like, we'll continue to touch nurses who will continue to bring that happiness, that passion for change and for caring for others into the next nursing generation. You know, we all go through those stages in our career as a nurse when um, we have self-doubt and we're burned out mm-hmm. and we're exhausted and um, feeling frustrated. And it's it's those who come back and express that and share it that makes it real. Um, yeah. But it's those that even keep going further and doing what you're doing um, that gives us the opportunity to have those tough conversations 
and, and make changes. And, and yes. other people have to hear these stories, right? Like we, it is so fundamentally important that people know that we are burning out and that the best and the brightest are leaving the bedside. And if the best yeah. and the brightest don't become nurses, what does that mean for that level of care and that compassion and that expertise? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're about to retire 50% of our nursing workforce. They're about to be gone, right? Like they're, they're, yeah. they are gone. And um, the truth is, is I struggle with my own thoughts of my own kids. I have a daughter and I'm like, do I tell you to become a nurse? I don't know. Do I want yeah. you to struggle the way that I felt at certain times? And I don't know. I, I still struggle. And I wish I had a good answer for that. And I, sometimes I feel like I've been, and you probably feel this way. Sometimes you feel like you're betraying your profession by saying, Hey, I yeah. don't know if I would tell my daughter to do this or not, or I don't know if I, I love nursing the way that other people love nursing because there's been failures. That I along lines. Yes. Yeah. So how do we change that? So the truth is we need to be more real what you're yeah. doing. We need to be more real with ourselves. We need to be more real with those that are leaders out there and say, Hey guys, this is, this is great that you, you can call us heroes on the front line. And then you can say, Hey, it's like soldiers running into bullets. Um, but the truth is, I don't think any of us say that we were supposed to be martyrs when we became nurses, right? No. We are, we should be paid for what we're doing. We should be valued. We should stop being told to do more with less and given no yeah. opportunity for career expansion, right? Like mm-hmm. there needs to be pathway, pathways and there needs to be investment in nurses and there needs to be career movement and that they need to sit at the top of the the hierarchy equally with their physician and other colleagues in equal representation. And that doesn't happen. And so it's conversations like these that show the breakdown, the frustration. Like if we had lost you totally and this stories had never happened, this conversation never happens, who knows what that would have done, what that vacuum in our, our profession would be. And, and and I, I said to a colleague of mine after the, they, they wrote me after the hackathon, like, wow, this was just remarkable. And, and thank you for giving us space. And I said, you know, it comes every generation, every moment in history, there's a moment when the status quo starts to break. And for nursing, I'm hoping that's happening now. I'm hoping that the status quo, the way we've always done business, the way that it's always been taught, the way that it's always been delivered is changing. Because in my mind, that's the only way we're going to get that next generation in and empower yeah. those that are left. So thank you because without conversations like this, and if nobody ever listened to them, it's the same question that I said, if you know, if a tree falls in a forest, can you hear that tree fall? <laughs> and, and too many of yeah. us have fallen and never been heard. And, and this changes that. This changes that. This has been such an incredible conversation. I'm so grateful for it. Where can people learn more about you, learn more about Sunseal and Nurse Hackathons? Yeah. So um, they can go to sonsiel.org, S-O-N-S-I-E-L, and it stands for the Society of Nurse Scientists, Innovators, Entrepreneurs, and Leaders. And we would love you to join us. We're trying to do monthly virtual nurse meetups. We're doing one um, on May 28th to do a follow-up from the hackathon just to keep everybody invited. Um, We started them to deal with COVID-19 and nurses started calling in from around the world. They were heading into shifts saying, hey, what do I do? I have a patient. How do I flip them prone? Oh, it was amazing, amazing stuff going on. Um, But me, find me on LinkedIn, Rebecca Love on LinkedIn. There is a porn star with my name. So you put nurse oh, behind no. it. Okay. I'm not that, I'm not that one. Um, but that's it. And honestly, people just email. I was like, please reach out. I, I, I realized a lot of my career was, uh, I reached out to a lot of people and I never heard back. I work really hard to try to get back to people because I know how disinflating that can be as a nurse. So I work really hard. Um, but just, you know, anywhere and show up at these hackathons, follow us, Johnson and Johnson. I hope will be a, a partner with us in those for a long time. I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure, but I really hopeful they are. Um, yeah. <laughs> but Sponsiel is, is sort of the way to go. And, and we're going to run these virtual events and I'm on LinkedIn. And I, we also wrote a book. Um, we wrote two called the nurse's guide to innovation. And then 
The Rebel Nurse Handbook is what we just came out with. And that's Ooh, I like 40- the sound of that. Oh, it's so good. It's all the stories. I said, when, when Springer called and said, Rebecca, write a book, I was like, not about me. Like, I have all these rock star nurses that you got to hear about. So there's 47 <laughs> stories, three pages each of just these stories. They make you laugh. They make you cry. But it was stories of nurses who all walked the world differently. They saw the world differently and they never found like they found uh, their tribe until they, they sort of started to come together in San Ciel. So I don't yeah. know who knows where we're going, but anybody can find me anytime on, on LinkedIn is probably the easiest, but you can also reach me. Um, I think I'm on Twitter at Nurse Innovation. Twitter at Nurse Innovation. If I, as soon as I learn how to handle it, Danielle, I'm gonna, we're going to have you come in and teach us how to do social media because I'm, I'm terrible at it, but thank I'll you. help you out. You. Yeah, awesome. I'm ready. I'm ready. I found um, Sanciel on Instagram. So way to go. You you have an Instagram page. It's <laughs> the first start. That's my right-hand nurse. She's awesome. Thank God. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> All right. Do you have, um, Rebecca, do you have any parting words of wisdom for the WOMED listeners? In life, you got to believe in yourself. And if it feels right to you, stick with it. Um, Because there are going to be so many times and so many people that are going to tell you, no, they're going to tell you it's not right. They're going to challenge you as to your way of thinking. But if you fundamentally believe it, just keep going. And it's going to be hard. It is so much harder to go at it in what you believe against the status quo than it is to keep going in the job that keeps paying you to do what you're doing. And if you feel it sometimes like I do, like the heart and the soul and the stomach, and it just speaks to you and it wakes you up at night. And and when you don't listen to it, it drives you to distraction. Fundamentally, we all became nurses because we we believe in intuition. There's that thing called Mm -hmm. nursing intuition. And the only times I ever got in trouble was when I ignored it. So I have always used my nursing intuition as my guide going forward. I might not be by the bedside. I go on a couple mission trips a year. I see patients, you know, in that distance. But when I stop listening to that intuition is when I stop listening to my soul. And if I can tell you guys anything, of all the people that I know, we might've failed. I did. Like, you know, when my first company was not a huge success by any means, but I'll never regret trying. And the people in life who go through their midlife crises or they're, you know, so unhappy in life, I think they stopped listening to their soul. I -hmm. think they stopped listening to their nursing intuition. And um, for every nurse out there, let it guide you. And if if you're getting burned out by the bedside, okay. Then it means that your nursing intuition is to tell you to do something different. So find what that is because your soul's telling you, you just got to listen. Oh, you're brilliant. We need to meet (laughs) in real life. It's happening. Oh, I can't wait to meet you in real life. <laughs> I just, I just think it's just, we just, you know, it's what you've done. And I, but thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And I, 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 yes, you know, I, this has been so fun. I, you know, and it's when I just have to tell you, um, getting on and knowing it was another nurse that I could talk to, because one thing is it's sometimes hard to talk to people. It, it's so hard sometimes to express what we're talking about when mm-hmm. you're not, you haven't been in the shoes together. You haven't been in the trenches. Yeah. I, I'm sure it's like people that exist in any kind of vertical. And so you lived it, you don't know how you feel it. And um, right. it was just, I felt so much better knowing you were a nurse and I um, feel yeah. like it could just be so real and we know where we're going and where we came from. And well, actually, we probably <laughs> don't know anywhere where we're going. Let's be honest. We're just hoping we do. Um, it's just, <laughs> but we, we had a shared, we had a shared, I just, I love talking to nurses like you because we, we know it. We know it. So anyway, awesome. Awesome. Thanks for doing what you're doing. And thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you so much for coming on.
Okay, this is definitely an episode I'm going to keep on repeat whenever I need a boost or to restore the flame of change inside me. I can't wait to hear your thoughts on this week's episode, and I really hope you guys are all encouraged to join in or start your own nurse hackathons. Make sure to follow Rebecca on Twitter at Nurse Innovation and Sonseal on Twitter at S-O-N-S-I-E-L-2 and Instagram at S-O-N-S-I-E-L Nurse. That's Sonseal Nurse. Check out sonseal.org and nursehackforhealth.org to learn more about nurse hackathons. Nurse Innovator is a real job, folks. I really hope this renews your flame. Till next week, WOMED out. Out.